Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and the creator of the Dream Business Academy. Welcome to a very special Facebook Live edition of Dream Business Radio, now in its eighth year. I can't believe that. <laughs> Phil, this is episode 445. Um, every week, I have the pleasure of bringing you great guests like today, great content to help you build your dream business so you too can live your dream lifestyle. Today's interview might be a slight departure from my usual guests as far as uh, marketing and things like that, but I think there's going to be some tremendous lessons in here as well as we uh, come to you from um, very warm Chicago and, and warmer Charleston, South Carolina. Is that right, Phil? Is it steamy hot up there? Yeah, I'm looking at snow and I'm thinking I should be living on a boat. There's something way wrong with this picture. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. My special guest today is Phil Brakefield. He's not only a gifted marker, an incredible storyteller and writer, successful businessman. He's a great dad and one of the most thoughtful and well-respected, caring people I've ever met. I, feel, I just feel blessed to call him friend. I'm glad he decided to come on today. He actually came on about 30 seconds ago. He wanted to give me a couple heart attacks before we hit the live button. So... Phil, you and I first met, I think, through the Dan Kennedy uh, GKIC group. And then I, I actually, I think the first time I met you personally was when I was um, in Chicago speaking for our, our mutual friend, Steve Cypress's marketing group about, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember that so well because you, you, that was the night you were going to raise your prices the next week. You were going from 47 a month to 97 on your newsletter program. <laughs> That's I right. Thought, I need to take advantage of this. That's 50 bucks. <laughs> I know. So you've been blessed with not one, but two really great careers. Um, as I was uh, teasing the interview on social media and stuff, you've toured with Elvis. Good God, we could stop there. But Elvis, Three Dog Night, John Denver, Jimi Hendrix, Glenn Campbell, Donovan, and Led Zeppelin, just to name a few. Um, I know you have literally hundreds of stories to tell because you share them on, on Facebook and other places. But does one just does one of those pop to you know top of your head as far as just something that I know the audience would, would like? Did you uh, put Elvis's cape on one night or something? <laughs> Tell us a good story just to get us going. Um, a really kind of fun one is uh, one of the very first concerts I worked was with Jimi Hendrix, and after the show was over, uh, I was supposed to take him back to his hotel with the other guys in the group, and. Uh, we got back and he decided he wanted to go get a beer. So we did that. Now, keep in mind, this is Dallas, Texas in the late 60s. And ah. so we went across the street to this place called the Stonely P, which was a, a pharmacy that used to be part of this fancy hotel we were in. And the only guys in there were a bunch of, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, redneck Texas dudes with their, with their uh, hats on and drinking some beers and smoking some uh, cigars. And I told Jimmy that, that 
the Jew box in there was really, really, really famous. It was supposed to be one of the best in the country. So he said, well, put some tunes. So just to mess with him, I went and I fed about, I don't know, eight or 10 quarters into the thing. And I played all Jimi Hendrix songs and he just could not believe what I'd done to him. But these, these Texas guys started uh, making comments about the music and stuff and, I'll clean it up here. They said, who the hell would listen to that kind of crap? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I thought, well, the guy that's playing that crap sitting right next to you, but I didn't say anything. <laughs> we need low on that one. So you're out, you're out having a beer in a bar with Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, and I didn't even drink. That was the thing. I never had been a drinker, so I had like a Coke, and he had a beer. And uh, listen to some Hendrix tunes. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> so... You know, let's so we'll circle back. I'm, I'm just going to be a little freewheeling here. Sure. And, um, you know, when I started doing my Dream, Dream Business Academy events, you came to me and said, Jim, I don't even know if I knew this, but you said I used to be in the imprint business. Uh, I can put your name and stuff like that. I can give you awards, things like that. And literally every event I did, you provided the T-shirts. Well, this was for my last book, Just Say Yes. We have Just Say Yes hats. How cool is that? We have Dream Business logo coasters. And you can actually put a coffee stain on there. No, that's actually a real one. <laughs> and then the creme de la creme, which I think people have seen, the Dream Business Academy guitar that you presented me with, which darn near brought me to tears, Phil. That was, that was just amazing. That so was, that, was, that fulfilled a lifelong ambition to, to do something to make you just be speechless. And it, <laughs> because you look like a deer in headlights, and, and our friend Adam Homie was the was the roadie that day, and he brought in the guitar case, and uh, I opened that thing up. It, it was it was worth every second of it just to see your face. It's it's one of my missions is to surprise you. You rendered me speechless, which is not easy to do. Um, and then you know through the rise of social media and Facebook, and you started sharing some of these stories like. Saturday mornings, and then you kept going. But about all your rock and roll escapades, and um, as busy as I am, was and I would look occasionally at social media. I want to follow all my clients and things like that. I would stop. I would, I would have to stop for twenty minutes and read one of your five thousand word essays that you posted on. on uh, and it was just mesmerizing. And um, I think you know, Phil, your book, the Philly Kid Chronicles: Life, Dogs, and Rock and Roll. I mean, it's truly an amazing book. I've I've really enjoyed. It. I've got to read the advanced copy of it. I mean, I think it's really going to be an amazing for so many ways. We're going to get into it. it's going to be an amazing bestseller. Um, what what did you like about writing the book, and what did you hate about writing the book? Because it's a labor of love, if anything, to to put that much effort into something. Yeah, you know, I uh, just because of some things that. Uh, that have happened in my life, I, I kind of reverted. I always liked reading and writing, and I kind of reverted back to writing as as a form of therapy. And uh, so people have always been kind of endlessly fascinated, if they believed me, about the rock and roll days. <laughs> I, I decided to put some of that stuff out there. And then uh, just, just amazing uh, how your life changes when life big events happen in your life. And I started looking at the world in a very different way and stuff that I found before just commonplace or took for granted all of a sudden seemed to be in technicolor. And so uh, I started just putting that stuff on Facebook. And, and I remember you made a comment once about it, it was very gratifying. You said you're the only guy who would spend this much time reading. <laughs> That's true. And I thought, 
I thought that's going to become the Jim Palmer standard. Would he sit around long enough to read this? And that's kind of where I start to get it out, <laughs> even though I do push it a little bit. So yeah. So um, let's transition again. I, we got to cover a lot of ground in our interview here. Um, so the kind of the primary reason, as you say, big big events in your life that um, why you kind of under under uh, took writing this book and. Um, and you know the title of the book, um, "Rock and Roll Dogs and Life." Is that right? Yeah, "Rock and Roll Dogs and Life." Did I get that right? It sounded wrong when I life, said that. Life, dogs and rock and roll. You got the. You okay, got the I was just out of order. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so let's introduce the life part. I'm I'm happy to turn the floor over to you. Or I I know I've interviewed you in the past. It's a little painful. I'd, I'd be happy to cover that. Whatever you want to do, Phil. Uh, you know what? You're so good at this. Uh, I struggle with it. So if you want to take the helm, see what I did there, take the helm, <laughs> that would be great. And then we can. All right. Okay. I, I hope and trust I'll uh, do it justice anyway. So folks, you, if you're watching this, you probably, most of you probably know, Phil, he was blessed with an amazing uh, daughter named Jamie um, or as, as Phil calls her Jay. Um, Jamie and Phil shared a, lo a love of music and like most parents, my kids included, our tastes were diverse or and or different, but we loved music, right? Um, and like, like a lot of people, uh, kids and adults, Jamie um, struggled with drug addiction. And on April 5th, 2017, she passed uh, from a drug overdose <clears throat> with Phil and um, uh, Jamie's mom at her side. And um, so... I remember reading in Phil's book, he said he knew exactly precisely the moment Jamie died because he saw the pain, frustration, guilt, anger, and kind of hopelessness and helplessness and despair, I think, from the addiction demons just cascade gently away um, until she became, again, just a beautiful little girl that her mom and he knew. I think I got that mostly right. Um, so in the time in the last couple of years since enduring this um this horrific tragedy that well no parents should have to go through phil would occasionally um point out to me that he was semi-retired you know from his imprint business but he was telling me on occasion that he he felt he should be doing something he felt like i should come out of retirement but he didn't know what to do and he wanted to do something to honor Jamie's memory and help others. And I just suggested one day, rather than create something new, why don't you just restart your imprinting business and and uh, maybe donate the the profits from that business to a charity, you know, um, that feels important to you. And Phil said, um, yeah, I could do that. But how hard do you think that'll be? I believe I said, Phil, knowing you, you could make like 10 phone calls, five phone calls and literally pile up hundreds of orders. I mean, you've built that much goodwill. Do you, do you remember that conversation? First of all, did how did I do? Did I do OK for you, Phil? And, and was am I remembering all that correctly? Well, I can't hear you. Phil, somehow your microphone got muted. Your mic isn't connected, it says. Uh-oh, I'm, I'm going to have to carry both sides of the conversation. <laughs> hmm. Hang, hang in there, folks. 
did something did something get unplugged phil that should be background right there we go there we yeah. go you're back i thought i was gonna have to do both sides of the conversation magic tricks in the dark you can do this yeah okay um, yeah, i trust uh, you heard what i said right yeah the, the night before she passed uh uh jamie was in a coma and i and I vowed to her that I would figure out some way to honor her legacy, which was to become an organ donor. And so in one of the conversations that you and I had, and you knew some of my background, um, you know, you, you suggested that I resurrect what I'd been doing before. And uh, that seemed to make sense. And it, it could be rather immediate because I am blessed with some really longtime friends and business relationships, uh, which ended up being more friends than business relationships and people, God bless them. They really stepped up and helped. I think you teased me with coming up with a name for this new business. And um, as luck would have it, I did come up with a name at three o'clock in the morning, which I was quite ticked off about. I woke up and I thought just to spread my misery of not being able to go back to sleep. I remember emailing you at three o'clock in the morning and, and uh, we came up with the name Jamie's imprints, which, what do you think of that? Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. Uh, it it certainly ties in all the things involved in this uh, in this quest, and uh, was just dead on. And the fact that I could interrupt your sleep pattern was just an added <laughs> bonus. So I, I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So uh, so we do go back a long way. You've been in my mastermind group now for I think five years, maybe something like that, maybe longer. I know, I know truly everybody in the group, you know, just loves and appreciates your wisdom and, and your sense of humor, which was on display in our last call. I remember one of our coaching calls, you were sharing with me that, um, again, you wanted to do something and, and just to be able to pay it forward, not pay it forward, but as you say, honor, honor Jamie's legacy. Um, and so you decided to start a, a nonprofit, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that stuff always sounds so good on paper and until you start really trying to, to, to nail it all down. And um, I ended up talking to lawyers and getting all this advice and legal mumbo jumbo. And it just seemed like I was going to be spending more time needing the regulations than, you know, trying to help people. So I was talking to you about that and you know, true to form, you just annoyed the hell out of me again by uh, by making a observation that took you about, I don't know, three nanoseconds, perhaps. And I just shook my head and I said, I give up. I'm just I'm, I'm along for the ride here. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I was getting upset that you were taking months and months and months to get this going. I didn't want you to lose the momentum. And um, and you're telling me how many checks you're writing to these attorneys. And I, I believe I said, why don't we do the ivory soap approach, which is, why don't you have a business that's 99.9% .9 profit free, <laughs> which makes it a for-profit business and just donate 99% of the profits and forget all that, you know, for all those CK, all that mumbo jumbo and legal stuff. Yeah, it was it was so brilliant and it was so quick. And had I asked that question earlier, I could have gotten those checks back from those lawyers who were just laughing all the way to the bank. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, everybody's got a job to do, but you uh, you saw that one in a big hurry for me. So talk about how how is it going with that business, Jamie's Imprints? I know you know you're you're working hard on the book, which is kind of a labor of love, but you'd probably just soon have the thing done and out the door. 
because um, you know it's it's difficult putting all those stories down on, on paper. Yeah, um, the Jamie's imprints thing. I'm I'm telling you, man, I am so blessed. Uh, as was she. Um, some people that I went to 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 talk about what we were doing uh, really just jumped in right away. One guy in particular, his name is Tom Steele. He and I coached Jamie's soccer team, traveling team. It was an amazing team for two years. And uh, Tom Tom, uh, and I both were frustrated by Jamie and loved her to pieces because she was the soccer diva on our team. But um, when I told him what I was up to, he said, absolutely, positively, that makes sense. And he jumped in and uh, has just bombed me with a ton of business and then a lot of my hardware guys and some other folks like Jim Palmer and some people in our community have stepped up so it's been really a labor of love and uh, you know you, you can't beat being lucky you just can't. Phil talk a little bit about uh, your second career not when you were carrying Jimmy's guitar and stuff like that um, I, I'd love to see a picture of that because that's one that just uh, you got to prove that one to me, my friend. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But, you know, you became like really well known in the retail hardware industry, like for Ace Hardware, I believe True Value as well. Yeah. Uh, I, and it's interesting how, how everything that you do kind of ties together at some point. Back in the rock and roll days, one of the things that I really enjoyed, and by the way, everybody thinks that's a glamorous life. It absolutely is not. It is time in hell. It's, it's, Possible. Robbie Robertson from the band said it's a goddamn impossible way of life, and he was right. But but during that time, one of the things that I really enjoyed doing was putting together some promotional, you know, T-shirts and keychains and all that stuff, and coming up with fun sayings and whatnot. And that was really kind of the that was kind of the the pressure valve that I used to to you know offset getting people out of jail three minutes before a show started. So so. Uh, when I stopped doing the rock and roll thing, I was looking around for something to do and I, I kicked around and I finally decided, you know, that was kind of fun. So I started doing promotional products and apparel and whatnot and uh, looked at the industry and that led me to uh, eventually to the hardware guys. And I kind of sat down with them and just built from the ground up exactly what they were doing and why it was costing them so much and how they were kind of getting screwed over. And so we struck a deal. And uh, once, once I got going with one of them, the other ones looked around and said, Ooh, that's kind of fun. So I ended up uh, being lucky enough to be the only supplier in, in those categories that sold to all three of the, of the big hardware co-ops because they're, they're, they're pretty vicious competitors but we could do the program enough so that, you know, we changed it up enough for each one of them to where they were, you know, kind of exclusive. And so, um, and, and the real beauty of that is I so love the hardware store owners. I love those guys like family and they were such a departure from the crazy hype of rock and roll and, you know, life and all that stuff. I just, there's just something about those good, honest folk that get up every day and serve people. And we all just kind of, we all kind of hit it off and became great friends. I mean, I have, you know, I, I was in it so long that I, I went from having, you know, people come through with their kids to having those kids come through with their grandkids. It was like 
family affair for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Phil, about two months ago. Oh, goodness. Big echo. About two months ago, I, um, I needed a part for my hot water heater on the boat. And we were at this marina and it was a Sunday and we don't have a car, obviously, when we travel, but we have some bikes. And there was an Ace Hardware store in this tiny town that opened at seven o'clock in the morning. Right. I, I wrote this story and you said, I think I know those people. Right. I rode my bike up and they and they sold me the part. But the other the other part, I couldn't he couldn't separate. Next thing you know, the owner comes out of his office and starts helping his, you know, the manager or whatever. And that did. Next thing you know, a plumber, local plumber, walked in to get a whole box full of parts. And he goes, "Here, I'll help you guys." There's like three guys working on this little part, which cost me like seven bucks. And and then they're like, "Hey, have a great day, safe travels." All this other thing. I'm like, this is why I like to go to these small towns to experience service like that. Yeah, and that's the magic of that industry, that those independent hardware store owners are just heroes of the highest order, and they're always so kind and always so helpful, and they just do it quietly without bringing a lot of attention to themselves, and it, it's 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 a delightful industry to be involved with. So, Phil, let's talk about, um, we've got about 10, 15 minutes left. Let's talk about your vision for the book. Um, we know there's a, there's a published, there's a date that's going to be published. We finally nailed that down. What, what is your vision for the book? What would you like to say? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a collection. It's, I mean, obviously life dogs and rock and roll is, uh, it, it, I, I kind of think of it like a, like the Seinfeld show. It's a book about nothing. It's, it's just a whole bunch of different stories and observations and recollections that I have. And the idea is, uh, uh, with the 99.9% .9 solution is to sell those as, as many as I can and hopefully people enjoy them. And by the way, I was going through some head trash on one of our coaching calls and I said, I'm really struggling with just feeling arrogant about even putting this out. Who wants to read this stuff? It's, it's just stuff I write for therapy. And you said, and I wish I, I wish I had thought of it. You said, what do you care if some chowderhead doesn't like what you've written? And I thought, chowderhead, that's got to appear in one of my stories. That's a really good word. Um, and, and, and this is this is where Coach Jim comes in. He's so good at saying one thing, but what he was really saying is, Phil, get over yourself. And I get it. I mean, you said it very nicely. You kind of put it on, you know, the villain outside of the uh, outside of the equation there. But um, the idea is just raise some some money so that I can help young people who are struggling with addiction challenges. And it, I say addiction challenges. I just want to help young people. Um, and when I first started the whole project, it was like, again, self-centered. You know, I didn't want any parents to have to go through that again. But the more I thought about it, um, I just don't want any kids to go through that. Yeah. Do you, do, Phil, do you have a um, charity picked out already or are there a couple of them or do you, do you want to, you don't have to mention, I'm just curious if. No, I, what, what I'm doing is um, I'm, I'm blessed to have some friends who are uh, just world-class psychologists and they're kind of plugged into, to, to those kinds of needs. And, um, you know, we're, we're doing some things with them. Um, and then another dear friend, I'm sure she's probably on this, uh, She's probably on this broadcast uh, you know, attendance. She just got a job in my little local town, kind of heading up a, a community service thing that has some drug rehab aspects to it. And she's asked me to 
to, to help out where I can. And we're going to donate, I don't know, 50 or 100 books to that to try to get people to sign up and, you know, maybe help out that project a little bit. So it's, it's kind of it's a lot of tentacles that we're pursuing. Good for you. Yeah. And, uh, yes, you're, uh, somebody's telling me, uh, I have to fix the audio. I can't fix the audio. So just endure. It's, it's a great interview. It's, that's, that's what's happening today between my boat and Chicago. Um, so, um, Phil, are there, I'd love to hear one more story about, uh, well, two more things I'd like to ask you. Um, first, how did the Philly kid, how did that come about? Let's go there first. All right. Um, the, the, I was playing ra- uh, football for a radio, rock and roll radio station in Dallas. And one night before game started, one of the disc jockeys said, we got a new guy playing quarterback for us tonight. He just moved here. He's starting this company. For, called Concerts West, and they're based out in Seattle, but he's opening up a, a Dallas office. So I was a wide receiver, and he was a, he was a, uh, he was a quarterback, and uh, he walked onto the field, and the first play he called, he threw a pass and knocked me literally off my feet. The guy <laughs> had a cannon for an arm, and we came back to the huddle, and he said, good catch, Philly kid. And that's where Philly Kid came from. I mean, a lot of people think because I was born in Philadelphia, which is not true. I was an Alabama boy here. But anyway, Philly Kid kind of became my name from that day forward. And uh, that's where the name of the book came from. That's so cool. People often ask um, about where these names come from. You know, before the Dream Business Coach, I was the newsletter guru. Right. And um, in my early business in, in the early 2000s, <clears throat> I did a newsletter for a guy who was a sales trainer. and. Um, his first issue mailed, I think he got like two or three new clients. So he was ecstatic. And he calls me up and he goes, hey, Palmer, you know what? This thing is so amazing. You're a blankety blank newsletter guru, man. <laughs> so I took off the uh, curse words. Right, sure. I just, I, newsletter guru, I kind of like that. that. That's how that was born. So funny how uh, sometimes we get anointed. Um, so we have about maybe uh, five to seven minutes left. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the other part of the book, which is dogs, something else you and I have in common. We, we love to adopt old dogs that really have a hard time finding homes. Talk about when did that start for you? Yeah, the, the woman who worked for me when I was uh, running wild and free with my company with the, with the hardware guys, uh, she was very involved in dog rescue here in Chicago. And so just kind of by osmosis, uh, I, I became enthralled with that whole idea. I can't tell you how many dogs we used to have in my office every day because she would bring some in and I would bring some in and we were working with fosters and whatnot. And so um, that became a real passion and, uh, and I enjoy it to this day. And um as fate would have it, just because of the the way the, the the dice would land, I would end up taking in some senior dog that you know we had rescued because it had no other place to go. And then all of a sudden, you know, I've got a hundred and sixty pound Newfie sitting, you know, on my feet at night with another little dog, and uh, it just kind of kept going from there. My latest one, he just passed away in July, was a. He was a, a pit American bull mix called Bernie Sanders. And uh, <laughs> he was just the best dog ever. You know, they're just magical. And um, I don't know. They, they, they certainly, they certainly teach as, as, as much as they love. So uh, they really do. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we had Toby and then we had blue and I'm sure yeah. we're going to have another one. We're just, 
we miss them terribly, but I don't want to say enjoying, but we're enjoying not being tied down, you sure. know, with the boat life. It. it made it a little difficult, but I'm sure that's in our future. I don't know who this is because I can't see the name, but I'll put it up. Uh, I know Ken Grisham of Three Dog Night. He was a customer of mine. I don't know. Oh, if How cool is that? I know. Who's Ken Grisham? That wasn't one of the Three Dog Nights, was it? No, the original guys were uh, Corey Wells, Danny Hutton, and uh, Chuck Negron, and then Mike Alsop on guitar, Joe Shermie on bass, Jimmy Greenspoon on keyboards, and Floyd Sneed on drums. Wow. How cool is that? Phil, yeah. when, so when, when we say that you toured with all these, were you, were you a roadie? Did you help set up the stage? Were you event running concessions, or were you just doing everything? Or No, I, I worked for Concerts West, um, and he, he was concerts west was the promoter of the show so if and boy was it a different world back then because there wasn't all the digital things and whatnot so you know the box office had real life cash in it and so <laughs> that was always a little bit of a challenge so um you know i would work with the fire marshals and the security guys and the stage hands and the roadies and everybody else and if a fire started, it was up to me or somebody doing what I was doing to put it out. And um, it, 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 it made an old man out of me very, very young in age. Yeah, but the, but the memories. Um, so, Phil, I'm sure that there's going to be people um, who are watching this either live right now or on the replay that are going to want to know, how can I help Phil? How can I support this book? How can I support the, uh, you know, the uh, addic drug addiction programs? I don't know if you have all that information to give out yet. I mean, the book's still a month away or so. Yeah, here, here's what I did because FedEx is, I don't know if you, is that showing up the right yeah, direction? Yeah, that's good. Yep. Yeah. The Philly Kid book is going to be the name of the book. That'll be the website. And then if you want to get in touch with me, just go to phil at jamiesimprints.com. And uh, I'll get Phil at jamiesimprints.com. And it's called the phillykidbook.com. That'll be the website. Right, right. So. Very good. Look at that. I look pretty professional, Phil. Thank God for FedEx. Yeah. <laughs> Any final words, sir? It's been a real honor having you on the program. And I think what you're doing is amazing. Um, I can't wait to get a copy of the book. I, I appreciate it. And, you know, earlier when we were talking, I said it has become uh, kind of a life mission of mine to surprise you and do things that may just leave you struggling for words just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So would you grant oh, me God. a moment to do that? Would you grant me a moment to do that? I can't reach you. And I, the only thing I could do is say unplug, but no. I have someone I want you to say hello to. Okay. Julie. <laughs> hey, Julie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You can get in here too. That proves that we're together. <laughs> is Ju Julie is also a coaching client of mine in our mastermind. And and did you help him plug in his microphone? Because I know you're a lot more tech savvy than <laughs> Phil is. Oh, I screwed him up. I tried to give him a better microphone and I plugged it in and uh, that muted his other microphone. So that was all my fault. <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> I was trying to get him out of the barrel and we had a, a better microphone here, but then it unfortunately override wrote the other one. So... Well, th that is a surprise I'm grateful for, Phil, and I, I'm not at a loss for words. So I always love seeing Julie Bardkiss. Well, as you know, all of our mastermind members help each other out, and Julie lives like an architectural digest, oh. and I, I didn't want to vacuum my house, so I said, let me come over. And I didn't think that you. was your house, but I didn't want to be rude. I didn't vacuum my house. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't my cattle make an appearance. 
So he drove up to your house. That's where he is. Yeah, sure. we're, pretty, we're pretty close. In yeah. proximity, so. I was going to say, Phil, the, the uh, advanced proceeds from the book, you've, you've obviously done well for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm trying to get Julie to hire me as her houseboy, but it's not working out yet. So. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll my gosh. Propositions. <laughs> uh, great to see you, Julie. Nice to see you as well. Hey, Phil. Um, okay, so uh, the phillykidbook.com, right? Right. And uh, Phil at jamiesimprints.com. If somebody wants to reach out to you and say, hey, I'm here. I've got a list. I'll promote. I'll do whatever. Yeah. And I would I would so appreciate that. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's not who you are. It's who you know. So anybody that wants to help, boy, we would sure welcome it. Any final any final parting words before I uh, sign us off here from this uh, echo chamber? No, I, uh, I uh, just appreciate you uh, inviting me on. I appreciate the opportunity to, to get Jay's story out there. And, uh, you know, we'll keep writing and uh, try to make sure that when the book hits, uh, you know, people feel like they got their money's worth. And uh, if there's anything I can do to help anybody that's got those kind of issues, color it done. We're, that's what we're all about. All right, Phil, thank you so much. You're, okay. a good, you're a good man. I love you. Thank you. Thanks, man. Take care. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode with Philly, with the Philly kid, Phil Brayfield. <laughs> I strongly encourage you to get a copy of his book when it comes out in a few weeks. It is truly a fun read. I'm enjoying it, even reading the PDF copy because it's actually not in print right now, but it soon will be. So get a copy of the book. Not only are you going to enjoy it, you're going to you're going to um, likely uh, have some of that money go to helping uh, somebody with an addiction problem. Anyway, I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com, www.getjimpalmer.com. If you're interested in joining the Dream Business Mastermind that Phil and Julie are part of, that was a that was a treat there. Go to DreamBizCoaching, DreamBizCoaching.com. But that is a wrap. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. You take good care. Take care, Phil. Thanks, Jim. See ya. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free dream business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.